passage of scripture, and I'll tell you something, folks, as we go through this, Luke chapter number 7, one of the things that just stands out to me is that human nature never changes. Um, if you've ever thought that you're going to improve your old nature, forget it. If anything, the old nature gets worse. The only thing we can do is subdue that by the grace of God. And so in, um, let's start in where we left off a little bit, Luke chapter 7. Let's start in verse 29 and we'll read down through verse 35. So I want you to see what provoked the Lord to say what he said in verses 31 to 35. It says, And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God, being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. In other words, they refused to listen and do what God wanted them to do. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say he hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the word of God this day. Lord, we owe everything to thee, to thy mercy, to our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And not only that, that he died on the cross, and, and that's certainly the greatest thing, and he shed his precious blood to wash away our sins and to bring us salvation. But Father, as your word in the book of Hebrews says that he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And Lord, we see that happening. As we go through the book of Luke, we see that the, these, these two um, opposing themes throughout the book of Luke. We see, num first of all, Jesus and his mighty works, his wonderful words, his great compassion. And then we see the selfishness and the slander of his enemies. And so, Lord, help us to be on the side of Jesus. Help us to be a true-hearted, whole-hearted, loyal forever. And we ask your blessing. Not only do we ask thy blessing here, but Lord, again, throughout this country and all over the world, where thy people are gathered together, where the word of God is being preached, how we ask, Lord, for a great, great working of thy Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was talking to a man several years ago, and they, he and his wife attended our church, and and now he is unable to. He's got Alzheimer's really bad. But anyway, as I was visiting with them one time, uh, actually the first time, and I'm not even, I don't even remember how we made contact. I think somebody, a friend of a friend of a friend, told us that they'd moved into the area and they're looking for church anyway. So he wanted to know what kind of church we had. And so he asked me this question. He says, is your church a Burger King church? And I said, I have no idea. He says, well, you know the slogan of Burger King, right? I said, oh, yeah, have it your way. 
I said, no, we're not one of those have it your way churches. And so they came, and they came for a couple years, in fact. And, and both him and his, his wife were sure of her salvation. The husband wasn't. He made sure of his salvation. And we had some great fellowship. Um, there were no Burger Kings in Jesus' day. If there, but if there were, the people of his day, many of them wanted Burger King prophets and they wanted Burger King Messiah. And that's what this passage is all about today. And so take a look at it. We understand we need to resist that trend. Um, it seems like it's died down a little bit, but I used to get stuff in the mail every week telling me that as a pastor in the 20th and the 21st century, we needed to take surveys and we needed to go out into our communities and ask the unsaved, the unchurched, what it would take to get them to come in. All right, that's totally unbiblical. I keep reminding, in fact, I was riding around on the tractor the other day thinking about some of these things, and the fact that the church in the book of Acts they were out. They went out there and they won people to Christ and they brought them into church and the public meetings were all about edifying the saved. They were all about teaching um, the word of God. And I'll never forget, I was visiting a pastor in the hospital years ago and, and he was famous for being a teacher and he was talking about the day in which he lived and, and he said to me, brother, he said, um, you can't preach John 3.16 every Sunday and expect your people to grow. Now there are churches that are dedicated. All they do is preach evangelism and there's no unsaved people there and so it's kind of a waste, all right? Um, not against the gospel, but you know, but anyway. Um, but people are looking for Burger King churches. Um, I could probably write a book on the different questions I've been asked over the years. Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you know? Do you have this other? Um, looking for social, looking for entertainment, you know, looking for all everything except what a church really is supposed to be about. You know, worshiping God, praising God, and preaching and teaching the Word of God. And so, the context here, the kind of the hinge pin of what Jesus said today is what happened in verses 29 and 30. As Jesus, and, and you might want to go back, I think most of you were here last week, but if you weren't, if you missed, verses 24 to 28, Jesus gave a wonderful commendation of John the Baptist. In fact, saying that there's not a greater prophet. And so therefore, Jesus said that, and so that means that he was at the top, and every other prophet was under him, you know, in, inferior to him in some way, but basically because John had the great privilege of being the forerunner for the Lord Jesus and preparing people, you know, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And uh, the one, and I mentioned this verse last week in John 3.30, where they tried to make John jealous. You remember that? The Pharisees came, oh, John, oh, my, my. You know, the one that you baptized, and, and the one, basically they're saying, the one that's supposed to be your student, <laughs> he's taken away all the students. He's taken away all the people. And well, John said, you know, basically he said, you know what, that you guys have it all wrong. You know, he's the bridegroom, I'm not, but I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And therefore in him, my joy is fulfilled. And he's saying, my joy is to point others to him. And then he said this, he must increase, in other words, he must gain followers, I must decrease. 
And so here, John's in prison. And he's never going to get out. He's going to be killed very soon. And so Jesus Christ gives this glowing, just glowing commendation. And I was reading the, the, the passage in Matthew that kind of goes along with this. And in there he said, this is Elijah, which was for to come. And so in Malachi, when Malachi prophesies of, of Elijah coming, part of that is fulfilled in John the Baptist. Now it's interesting that Malachi said, I will send Elijah the prophet before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And so there's a future aspect of that before Jesus returns to earth. And so I pretty much come to the conclusion, and a lot of other people have too, that, the, that Elijah is one of the two witnesses in, in Revelation 11. Some think Enoch is the other. But anyway, let it be that as it may, John the Baptist had and has a very prominent place in God's God's view of men, God's men, you know, God's special people. And so all the people, that is the common people is the idea there, the commoners in verse 29, <clears throat> that heard him and the publicans that despised tax collectors justified God being baptized with the baptism of John, which is what they were supposed to do. Remember, John preached repentance, the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves. In other words, they, 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 they brought upon them, themselves their own ruination, being not baptized of him. They wouldn't listen. They rejected his message. His message was uh, from God. Now, so there, so therefore today, we're going to take a look at Christ's rebuke, all right? And then I'm going to end with, a, with an encouragement on how to respond in the day in which we're living, all right? Christ's rebuke, all right? First of all, he rebukes them for their selfishness. John did not fit their definition of a prophet. They were looking for somebody who was immoral and so on. We're, and we're going to look at that in just a second. But, you know, so he rebuked them for their selfishness. They wanted things their way. Notice he says, Lord, the Lord said, in verse 31, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation, and to what are they like? And so the Lord used that method of illustration, of similes and, and, and parables and so on. He says, so he's saying to people, and, and this, by the way, this was a common way of teaching in those days. The teacher would ask a question or a series of questions and give the class the opportunity to think about it, respond, and sometimes they responded with questions. I'll tell you, I remember my mom used to tell me all the time, and our teachers at school, never answer a question with a question. Well, that was very acceptable. It was a way of give and take, discussion, debate, and so forth. So Jesus asked the question, what can, I, what can I compare this generation? By the way, the word generation in the Bible is not so much a time period as a group of people. You know, the people living on the earth in Israel in Jesus' day, what are they like? How can I compare them? By the way, he was doing this so they'd understand. 
And they would see the error of their ways and they would turn to him. He says, first of all, they are like unto children. Wow, there's a rebuke right there. They're like children. They're childish. They're babyish, right? They're selfish. They're like children sitting in the marketplace. They're like spectators, you know, and um, calling one to another and saying, we have piped unto you. In other words, we have played music. Really, the, the word here for pipe is that the idea of a flute, right? So we've fluted to you, and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. Now, you could take this verse probably two ways. You could look at it from the viewpoint of the, the teachers, Look, we could look at it from John's, John's perspective and Jesus' perspective that John preached, all right, and they didn't listen, and Jesus preached, and they didn't listen, or you could look at it from the spectator's point of view. Like, we don't like what John said, we don't like what Jesus said, and we sure don't like what they did, because they don't fit what we want. They don't fit what we're looking for. I have a book somewhere, it's called This Little Church Went to Market. And it's about how they developed, you know, they took worldly, you know, worldly practices and policies in order to try to fill a place. Then on the other hand, I have a book that's called The Savior Sensitive Church. And that's what we're supposed to be about. Now, um, so they wanted things done. First of all, they rejected the truth proclaimed by John and Jesus. In case I forget this, I want you to think about something. Now, yes, Jesus Christ on earth was God in the flesh. But he had his own personality. Uh, John the Baptist was a human. He was a man. He had his own personality. He had his own way of preaching. So if, if you have a favorite preacher, um, think about him. All right? Not her, him. All right? Shouldn't have any hers on that list. Um, but if you have a favorite preacher, why? Why is he your favorite? All right? Maybe because he's tall and thin, whatever. Maybe because of the way he delivers the word of God. Maybe for the content of his message. But the point is this. No two preachers are, are exactly alike. Right? And we all have different personalities. We all have different styles. And it's, and it's the same message, but we have different ways of putting it forth. And, and the, even and the Holy Spirit uses different personalities. Now just, and we can compare that to the writers of Scripture. Their writings are not the same. And I'm pretty sure, and maybe I'll try this. Um, I'll put a couple verses in the bulletin next week. I'll do maybe my article on the back. And I will give you a verse from, say, Isaiah, and a verse from Ezekiel. And I bet most of you, without the reference, will know which is which. All right? And in the New Testament, Paul had a different style than John. In fact, Paul, the people said about Paul, there's nothing appealing about him. There's nothing about his presence. There's nothing about his style. There's nothing about his voice. 
you know that that is that draws people. Um, I think I bet John. I think John the Baptist, you know, be, be, you know, his appearance, you know, a leathern girdle and you know, living out in the wilderness. But I guarantee this: one of the things that set John apart was his voice. Um, he said, "I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness." I, I'm sure God gave him a strong, manly voice so he could be heard. I understand that George Whitfield, when he came to America, he could preach in Philadelphia and be heard six blocks. Man, I don't, I don't have a, that's without a microphone. All right, I don't have a voice like that, obviously. But so, but what I'm saying is this: you know, pe- preachers have different personalities; they have different styles, and so on and so forth. Um, anyway, so, but these guys, John, remember, Jesus said, greatest prophet. Jesus, the Son of God, couldn't please the people. He didn't try, by the way. And so, um, we have piped on you. We played the flute. We played this music, and you haven't responded. You haven't danced to our to our tune. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. Now let's see why. All right. So, not, not, secondly, not only their selfishness. Oh, let's go keep your place in Luke. I want to read a scripture from Isaiah. There's tons of scriptures that we could read along this line, but I like Isaiah chapter 30. I mean, it's sad, it's tragic, but it's a good point. It's like Israel. You know, it's like Israel always has been. They didn't, they didn't want to listen. Um, Isaiah chapter 30. And I was reading recently, reading through the, the first five books of the Bible, where, remember when God provided manna? Remember, God said, go out every morning, you'll find this manna when the sun's up and when the dew's gone, the manna will be there. Go out and take just what you need for one day. All right, rule number one, don't take extra. Don't leave it over to the next day. So what did they do? They left it over to the next day and it got worms and it stank, stunk. The Bible says it stank, all right? They said, rule number two, this is two-part rule, on the sixth day, get twice as much. Don't go out on the Sabbath because there won't be any. So what did they do? They only took one day's worth on the sixth day, they, so they, they went out the seventh day, and there wasn't any. Amazing. Right? So that's the attitude. The attitude. So in Isaiah 30, listen to this, chapter 30 and verse 9, right? Well, verse 8, let's go back because God tells uh, um, Isaiah to write it, write these things down. Now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book. So in other words, a tablet of stone and a scroll that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. See, human nature never changes, right? Um, um, on the back of the bulletin, uh, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endure forever. Psalm 119, 160. Well, what is, what is he supposed to write? What does he want Israel to know? He wants to, to, them to know that they are just wonderful people. They brought nothing but joy to the heart of God. Everything he's ever told them, they did it without question and joyfully. Wait a minute, that's not in my Bible, is it? This is what he's supposed to tell them, that this is a rebellious people. 
lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. According to Psalm 58, by the way, the most common sin of children is lying. And I was a, I was a great liar when I was a kid, not proud of that. I could talk my way or try to out of every situation. I've been in a couple of court cases involving Christians who are accused of, of um, over-disciplining or abusing their children. And these goofy children and children and youth service workers who don't, wouldn't know the first thing about being a parent stood up in court and said, Children can't lie! Children can't make up stories! Talk to our great-grandson Bryson. Right? I said to him a couple Sundays ago, I took him home and I said, tell your mom what you learned in Sunday school. Oh, Grandpa said the devil's cool. <laughs> and so Hannah goes, did he really say that? Bryson says, no. <laughs> Kids make stuff up all the time. Anyway, listening to him on the way to Sunday school, I, have, I say, hey, what'd you do? He said, well, I was out and I shot a 650-pound bear yesterday. And then he tells all these stories. And that, that's, that's, that's okay, I guess. But you know, God says, that's how Israel is. They're a bunch of lying children. Now let's see what we're going to see. But that will not, children, that will not hear the law of the Lord. But wait, they were in the synagogues every day in the temple and they listened all the time. But again, the word hear means to hear, receive, believe, obey. They wouldn't do that. Now here's the thing. Here's where what I'm sure Jesus is referring to. We have piped unto you and you danced, we have mourned unto you, and you have and you you weep not. Here's what they said, verse 10. Which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Verse 11. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wow. Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine the vain thing. The, the, the king of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And in that psalm, it says the heathen and the people. So of course the heathen is the Gentiles, the people is Israel. And so same thing, Jesus on the earth. They didn't want to hear it. John the Baptist, they didn't want to hear it. Okay? Now, here is their slander. By the way, again, different personalities. Now, to put it in a, in a proper perspective, we look at John the Baptist. He's a prophet. All right? And we could, in today's terminology, we could say he was, a pro, he was an evangelist. Now, so was Jesus. He did the work of an evangelist. But Jesus did not present himself as an evangelist. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And by the way, the word pastor only appears a couple times in the Old Testament or the New Testament, Hebrew and Greek, but the word means the same thing. It means shepherd. So we could say this. We could say John the Baptist was an evangelist. Jesus was a pastor. Okay? And he was the one building the church. Okay? Now we have guys come in and we talk about it. 
I'm going to ask Mike. Mike volunteered as an example. Mike has been offered churches. You don't know. God didn't call me to be a pastor. God called me to be an evangelist. So therefore, he has a different personality. All right? Um, and so John was not, not cut out, so to speak, to be a pastor. He is, he's like, you know, he was a machine gun. He was a shotgun. You know, he, went, he, he, he got the people together and blazed away. Right, whereas so, so John, I want to listen, I want you to think about it. I want to say this in the right way. John was unsocial. Notice this, look, verse 33. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. So John was not a mixer. You know, John probably wouldn't have enjoyed fellowship dinners, okay? But he wasn't there to be social. He came to preach God's word, and he came to a nation that was rebellious and that needed to have the fear of God struck into their hearts. And so John the Baptist is a very is a really good picture of an itinerant preacher. You know, he comes in, he preaches, and then he goes away. He goes on to the next place. Paul was like that too. Paul wasn't a pastor. Paul was a missionary evangelist. And he'd go from place to place. So notice what they said. Here's the slander. John the Baptist came neither eat or drinking wine, and you say he hath a devil. In other words, he's demon possessed. Not true. Not at all. I mean, isn't it, it's it's so ironic that they said John the Baptist has a devil. He's demon possessed. But the angel Gabriel told Zechariah, his father, that he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Nobody else, nobody else is like, nobody else except Jesus. No one else in the Bible has that description. Anyway. No, then what they say about Jesus, the Son of Man is come eating and drinking. In other words, he's a, he was a sociable guy. Now the Bible doesn't say anything about an evangelist, uh, one of the requirements of evangelist being uh, uh, hospitable. Hospitality. Given to hospitality. But it does say so about the pastor. And pastors, I've noticed that, 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 and I said this in a good way, by the grace of God, we are more sociable than and most evangelists, all right? And we have to. We, we have to be among the people. Okay? So Jesus did that. He was everywhere, right? He gathered with the people. He sat down with the people. And it says, so he came eating and drinking. All right? And you say, Behold a gluttonous man and a wine bibber, in other words, a wine drinker, a drunk, a friend of publicans and sinners. Well, I got a half right anyway. Yes, Jesus ate. He didn't drink. You know, he didn't drink. He didn't get drunk. He didn't drink, drink wine. And, and I, I don't know, I guess I think, I hope everybody got it here, but I'm thinking about having a lesson or a message on, on the biblical concept of wine, all right? Because there's certain words that, that need to be understood, all right? And I get so tired when people want me to, and I get less and less requests, but when somebody wants me to do a wedding, usually I limit it to the people in our church, which you don't have too many couples getting ready. So I say, well, you know what? I don't 
believers should be alcohol. Oh, what do you mean, Pastor? Jesus drank wine? Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah, right. You know, so they use those excuses. But anyway, the word in the Old Testament for wine and the word in the New Testament for wine, they basically mean the same thing. It means anything that comes from a grape. It could be grape juice. It could be raisins. It could be grapes. It could be flagon of wine in the Old Testament as a raisin cake. And of course it could be strong, intoxicating beverage. But the context will tell you what it is. And what it, in fact, there's a, one of the things that the Bible talks about is new wine, which is just freshly squeezed grape juice. And I don't, and I don't even have any even need to really get in to all the technicalities, but simply I tell people this. The Bible condemns drunkenness. Jesus Christ would never put a stumbling block in front of people. He, he, at that wedding feast, he did not turn that into stuff that would make people drunk, right? Anyway, so this is what they said about him because seriously, and, and again, reverently, Every time Jesus was present and there was food, there he was. In fact, he provided it, right, a lot of times. So they accused him of being a glutton because he ate. They, they accused John of being a demon-possessed man because he didn't eat, because he, he skipped dinners, you know. He ate locusts and wild honey. I've been thinking about trying that, by the way. Anyway, um... So, they call him a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, absolutely false, absolutely slanderous. And they hurled at him with what in their mind was a huge insult. A friend of publicans and sinners. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm, sure, I'm glad that he is. I'm glad that he was. Now again, they meant this in the most de degrading, humiliating way. Had, without any clue, they actually gave Jesus the best compliment anybody could give him because that's exactly what he was. He was a friend of sinners. You know, there's a hymn, Our Great Savior, Jesus, what a friend for sinners. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. There is no friend like the lowly Jesus, right? Jesus is all the world to me. He's my friend. Praise the Lord for that. Wonderful, wonderful. By the way, that's one of the reasons that Jesus said that anybody in the kingdom of in, uh, anybody, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John because John never got that fellowship. He never found out what it was like to have to be a, to have a friend in Jesus. One person, the old two people in, in the Old Testament came close. One was Moses. Because the Bible says God spoke to Moses face to face like a man speaketh to his friend. And Abraham was called the friend of God. All right? So those were the two Old Testament guys who came the closest. So is Jesus Christ your friend today? That's the question. Is he your friend? Do you like to be with your friend? Do you like it? Do you like to? Um, you know, and he speaks to us through the word of God and we speak to him through prayer. And I don't know about you, I would really encourage this. I, I have three hymnals 
at the at, on, on my bedstead bed stand behind the bed and uh, it's not it's kind of like the spare room I find myself going down there at night and I'll take out a hymn book and I'll just sing to the Lord I mean um, I don't know if you ever do that it's wonderful it's a tremendous blessing so friend of sinners you know the Bible says that Jesus Christ, in the book Hebrews says, he was separate from sinners. Now what does that mean? Did, it, was, did he isolate himself? No, it means simply this. He didn't participate in their sinful activities. Now there are misguided Christians today who think they'll go have a beer with somebody and that'll be a testimony. That's crazy. Jesus never did that. All right. So, um... Then the last thing here in verse 35, but, in contrast, wisdom is justified of all her children. The word, again, the word justified is the same word as found there in verse 29, where the people that heard him and the, and the publicans justified God. In other words, they vindicated God. They proved God to be true in the sense that they did what God said, and it worked. That's the idea. Wisdom, of course, the wisdom of God, whether it's John's preaching or whether it's Jesus' preaching, whether it's John's life or Jesus' life, it was God's wisdom in full view. And that was justified. It was vindicated. These, the, the children of wisdom, that, of course, is God's children, saved people. They prove by their lips, by what they say, and by their lives, how they live the truth and power of the Word of God. And I trust that you today, that you are showing, people can look at your life and say, wow, the Bible works for them. Have you ever had, ever had anybody come up to you and say, hey, I, I could tell you're a Christian by the countenance of your face. Well, on one other, by the way, they are not swayed by the slander of the ungodly. Right? And that goes for, for God's servants too. Faithful pastors, faithful evangelists, faithful missionaries, people who feel, who follow the Lord, um, respect their ministry, and they don't. They're not. They're not swayed. Like Jesus said, uh, "Blessed is he." Verse twenty-three: Whosoever is not shall not be offended in me. All right, let's go over to Second Timothy. We're going to close with this. Second um, Timothy, chapter four. We have Paul's kind of farewell to Timothy. Timothy was a young man in the ministry. Indications are that Timothy tended to be shy and timid because Paul encouraged him not to be. So Paul wouldn't waste that. But I believe that Timothy tended to be shy. And I, I met a lot of pastors, that we, and we are like that. We really don't like to be in the front. We don't like to be this, the center of attention. But God has put us there. So anyway, in, in closing Paul's farewell, this is what he says. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee. That means he gave him responsibility. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. We're living in a day in which preaching is being diminished. Preaching is being denounced. Be 
ready, instant, in season, ready, that means prepared. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and we're there. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And so the itching ears is like the convict, the guilt and conviction. They want somebody to scratch it. You know, don't deal with it. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So that's the situation. And we have it today. And there's books all over the place telling us to lighten up, telling us to give people what they want. And hell is full of people and preachers who gave them what they want, right? The road to hell is paved with sermons on what people want. Now, so here we said, but, Timothy, but, but, watch thou in all things. In other words, keep alert. Look, for, look out for the things that take you away from the word of God. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. In other words, fully carry out the ministry. And so the, the exhortation to Timothy is, don't lighten up, don't quit, don't water things down, don't make it easier, but you keep preaching the truth. And he uses those words, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering, all patience, and doctrine. May the Lord help us to be true. And it's up to God, all right? Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, all right? And that's what we've been trying to do for 45, almost 46 years, and we're still trying to do it, all right? And I was walking... I was just thinking yesterday, actually it was a, such a nice afternoon, I put on my overcoat and I walked downtown and just walked around town knocking on doors and talking to people. And you know what? No one came today except for a couple kids. Praise the Lord for that. I shouldn't say except. A couple kids. Praise the Lord for that. And I said, you know, how, mu I don't know, how much longer, Lord? How much longer am I going to even be able to walk you down? Right? But I said this to God. I said, Lord, I'm going to, goodness, I'm going to plan to do this for 20 more years. If you carry. And I, but I'm going to live like I've only got one day left. And that's, how we, that's us. That's how every Christian. Plan like you're going to, you know, have 20 more years. But live like you only got one day. And that's all I know. I don't know how, you know, I don't know what God's going to do, but, you know, he's able. And uh, anyway, so pray, pray for me, pray for, uh, pray for one another, that we'll get, we'll get the word out. And anyway, we just have to, we just have to show people, I'll tell you, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not quick. This isn't like Gary, where you can start a church and 30 days later have 200 people. It's a different situation. We just have to be faithful. Thy hand has become more precious to me. Rescue the perishing. Back to the narrow way. Patiently win them. Folks, there's not going to be no five-minute conversions these days. You know, it's not like ABC, one, two, three, repeat after me, you're saved eternally. Doesn't work that way. All right? It's going to take, takes a long time. The Spirit of God has to get through a lot of the garbage and the baggage and everything to get through to the hearts of people. But God help us. Let's not be discouraged. Be encouraged. 
Bible says it's found, it's, it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And that's what we want to be. We want to keep being faithful to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we can have in the word of God. And Lord, don't we can't even, there's no numbers. There is no, not one number in the Bible about John's, John the Baptist disciples have no idea. But of course, we know it, we understand, Father, the best disciples of John became disciples of Jesus. And so, Lord, help us, help us, help us. This community, oh God, the devil has a hold of this place. He's got it in his grip. Lord, help us to just chip away, little by little. And uh, help us to keep giving you the word of God. Pray for the precious boys and girls today. I think five of them today. But Lord, use every one of them. And I think of little Lila who keeps saying that she wants to be a missionary when she grows up. I pray, God, that she'll never forget that. I'm thankful I had a chance to talk to her parents about that yesterday. And I uh, don't know if they scared them or what, but Lord, we just pray for these young people and the precious everybody, everybody, Lord. Help us to be an army, an army for Christ. God, please, 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 um, the seed has, is being planted. It's being watered. So God, please give the increase. And Lord, not only here, but many churches, probably God, every church I know, in fact, I don't know of any church who's got more people than they had a year ago. And so, Lord, we understand the times that we're living in, but, Lord, that's not doesn't mean you can't work. And so please work, dear God. Help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our closing hymn is um, <clears throat> number 319, all right? 319. I have to be honest, when I first was in the ministry, I kind of scoffed at lifestyle evangelism, um, and I thought, well, that's kind of a weak approach, and um, you know, we just need to go out there and just pound on doors and give people the gospel. Um, but I've come to realize, and I've had to ask God's forgiveness, that lifestyle evangelism is probably it today, all right? You just can't go up to a person and just start hammering away, all right? We have to show that we care for people. Somebody told me years ago, they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We've got to care for people. We've got to love people. Again, we, we, you know, we just can't be like buzz saws, all right? Anyway, and so here's a hymn. Here's a hymn that tells us that. So print, please, 319, and stand as we sing all three verses. I would be true. I would be true. It's humbling to go into a development and there's a new family and the kids are outside and a parent says, hey, you can go with him. We trust him. You can go with him. He'll, you know. So that's what this hymn is about. I would be true for there are those who trust me. How about the, you know, the ones in your class, Sunday school teacher? You, know, you have a big responsibility and you better be worth, worthy of their trust. All right? And same pastors, whatever, whatever we are, Christians, we need to be, we need to be faithful. We need to be true. So let's sing all three verses, all right? I would be true, for there are those who trust me. I would be pure. There are those who care. I would be 
strong For there is much to suffer I would be brave For there is much to dare I would be brave For there is much to dare I would be friend Of all the foes but friendless I would be giving And forget the gift I would be humble For I know my weakness I would look up And laugh and love and live I would look up And laugh and love and live I would be prayerful Through each busy moment I would be constantly in touch with God I would be tuned to hear His slightest whisper I would have faith to keep the path Christ trod I would have faith to keep the path Christ trod Our Heavenly Father we thank thee for our Savior the Lord Jesus who was absolutely true and faithful Lord, I pray for grace for myself and for all of us here who know me that we might also be true, we might be faithful, we might just be the kind of people that we would use to draw others to Christ. Watch over us, please, this afternoon and just guide us. We ask and we ask that blessing to come on the service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.